definitely if you're going through those things really be honest with yourself and if you truly need help get it because there are a lot of people that you feel like you're going to be judged for talking about it or opening up and there are people around you that want to help you and make you better and it took me a very long time to realize that and now that I have realized that I couldn't be more grateful for the people that I have around me to support me and be there for me. What's going on guys? Welcome to another podcast of Silencing a Stigma. I'm here tonight along with Austin. What's going on guys? And we have two guests. One's a returning guest and we have a new guest. Welcome to you guys. (laughs) (laughs) Hi. Hi. What's going on Ashley? Taylor? Can you hear me, Taylor? Yes, I can hear you, Austin. Good, good. good. (laughs) All right, so, um, yeah. We have have a little one in the background, too, just so you guys know. Yeah, sorry about that. No worries. Taylor's been with us. This is your third. I think it's fourth. I think it might be fourth. Is it four? Oh, yes, it is fourth. fourth. She likes it, so she keeps coming back. She brings us. She says (laughs) you still listen to every single one. I do. I appreciate you doing it. Ashley, have you been listening to them? I have. You I missed them? the last one or last two. Okay. We appreciate that. You find yeah. them helpful? Yeah. Awesome. You reached out to me the other day. Which one was it that you were laughing about? Um, The what? one where you were like in your bathtub in your sleeping <laughs> room. Oh, geez. She thought that was funny. I was in Nashville literally sitting at the pool and I put them in. <laughs> I was like hysterically cracking up. Out loud. Yeah. He okay. does do that. Like, I went in. I'm like, why are your swimming trunks hanging there? He goes, I was in the tub. I'm like. I don't do that anymore because I don't live in that place anymore. All right. Here we go. <laughs> you still have a bathtub where you live in. Just don't have jets. Yeah. So it's, I can't use it as a hot tub. Okay. Then. So. So, so we jets. don't really care. Yeah, how when you, you bathe, you don't need them. But when you have jets, then you need your swimming trunks. <laughs> it's, it's, like a hot t- it's like a hot tub, then, basically. Okay. So, um, anyway. We, uh, we've been going to the gym. Well, we have in the past. Not recently. Not recently. <laughs> Until both of you stopped breathing one night, I heard. Yeah, I was getting there. Oh. But go ahead. Tell the story. I don't know the story. <laughs> I wasn't there, that thank was God. That time. <laughs> so I, I believe, Taylor, you reached out to me. It was like uh, something about helping you guys at the gym, teaching you guys how to, to do some equipment and stuff like that. And I was like, sure, yeah, I would love to do that because... I never really tapped into my personal training at all, and I do have, I am a certified personal trainer, so I decided why not. So I've been helping them out, and uh, it's different. It's a different experience helping people out because you guys are on a different level than I am. Wait, <laughs> we, you're walking and like <laughs> dictating over here, we, and like dying. And we found out real quick different levels we're on. Real quick. So yeah, first night, and then they tried <laughs> to suck me in. Taylor's like, "When are you coming?" <laughs> I did. So typically, I would have them sit, uh, start on a treadmill, a little, a little light wor- uh, warm up. Sorry, and uh, then we would, we would go start doing some exercises. Well, first of all, crunch can be a intimidating gym. Do you agree? Yeah. That's yeah. that like the most intimidating gym I've been in for a while, since COVID and stuff like that. And I walked in, there was a lot of people in there, and it was packed, especially at six o'clock. Yeah. Yeah. So I walked in there. I didn't know what to expect. It was my first time in there, but. Yeah, I met them too in there, Ashley and Taylor, and we started on the treadmill, and then we went back, and then 
it was like the third week. Let me let me go back. The first week, you guys said you guys were really sore after the workout or oh something like that. I like rolled out of bed the next day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I my arms, like my upper arms and my thighs. But you guys haven't worked out in how long? Um, like so, high school. Yeah, so <laughs> like track in high school. Yeah, a very long time. <laughs> so you guys had delayed on on delayed onset muscle soreness. Dom's effect is what that is. So you get sore. Sounds about but, right. But uh, yeah, so like the th- I think it was the third weekend. We got on, got on the treadmill, and I think I started working out. Was that the first time I worked out with you guys? I think it was, because you guys were like, why aren't you working out with me? Yeah, because it was that, that yeah, yeah, yeah. push, the whatever sled. that push thing is. They call it a sled. That's a ditty. I wasn't ready. <laughs> yep. You can push and pull the sled, and I, it was the first time I worked out with them, and we went back, and we started doing the sled, and I was like, all right, like, there was no weight on it, but it's still heavy. Like, it has resistance on the ground. So I'm pushing it, and we're, we're, we're alternating back and forth. We're probably pushing it, probably, like... I don't know, 30 feet, 40 feet, probably even more. So we were going back and forth, and then I was like, we'll do one more. And then when I went down or something like that, Ashley's like, good, because Taylor looks like she's about to pass out or something. <laughs> and I didn't know how serious it was until I walked down, and then you were like... Yeah, I, I was like, well, there was something wrong with me. I didn't know what was going on. <laughs> I didn't eat lunch that day. I ate, like, a snack on my way to the gym. Yeah. And I was not well. It's <laughs> not well at all. But I was like, this is serious? Like, I don't know what to do. It's our third week. And I'm like, okay. Well, then, <laughs> you, you like, relaxed for a little bit. And then me and Ashley were still working out. And then it came to a point where you, you started, like, hyperventilating or something. I, like, could not catch my breath. I couldn't breathe. I just, outside. like... This is both of them in the same day. Like... Probably like, like ten five minutes. minutes of yeah. <laughs> so like starting off with the sled to begin with. Like, I think it was too much. Did me in yeah, from the start. Like right, like fresh out the gate. Like, <laughs> <laughs> all right, here, push this. This is more weight than you've ever lifted. But you know what? Just push it thirty feet. You'll be fine. Yeah. Yeah. It was. That's what kind of like set it off. And then like out of nowhere, like I just got like blurred vision. Like I couldn't see. I just like couldn't catch my breath, and I just like everything was like muffled and i was like oh my god i'm gonna pass out i'm, I'm gonna die here at crunch fitness i had no idea what to do i was just standing there i was laying down i like had my hands, <laughs> my hands over my head i was drinking ashley's water because i didn't even have a water that day so i was drinking Ashley's. you're a nurse water. though right ashley uh, i'm in nursing school so you kind of know what the yeah. precautions and stuff are about that so i kind of felt a little better but then when she started going down i was like all right we're, we're screwed and then yeah. there's there's other two girls came up and the one was like is that your trainer and whatever that day remember yeah they're like yeah but yeah the reason why i'm telling you guys this is this kind of like how we got reconnected in a way because we graduated in high school together and uh i think that same day we were with all like the circuit training and we were just talking i forget how it got brought up but we started talking about family and stuff like that and you said something about um family members struggling with addiction and i was like wow like my brother passed away and then the whole podcast got brought up and then taylor was like you should listen to it and i guess you started listening yeah so that's cool that's a little background on how that how we got to where we are today but uh i know when we were talking in the gym you said that you grew up without a mom I had a mom. My, so I didn't find out until probably when I was like, and my, my real, my biological dad left when I was 14 years old, mm-hmm. but apparently while my mom was pregnant with me, my dad had multiple affairs with people he worked with and, um, 
he had a seven-year affair that I didn't find out about until I was older. Um, but he had, like, his own apartment and everything, and my mom found out, and then they ended up splitting. But for the most part, my dad kind of was, for the most part, in my life, mm-hmm. but not always. So it was kind of like a hit or miss. He would always say, oh, I have to go to my mom and my dad worked at the same company um so he would say oh well i have to go to this state to do something for their equipment or whatever so i was used to my dad traveling a lot i mean i don't i don't know how many times my dad was there when yeah i think i've only i mean we hung out a lot (laughs) like taylor basically lived at my house in the summer yeah and i think i only met him like maybe three times yeah like it he just he basically had two different lives that he was living like he so so let me just interrupt to understand he lived with your mother and you but he also had an apartment at the same time yeah okay and so that was for him and his girlfriend and then also when he was traveling to florida he had a girlfriend down there um which is where he now lives with that girl and they're married I don't even know the last time I saw my dad <laughs> so okay. um that kind of was like the start of everything um and then you know my mom couldn't pay her bills by herself um we moved to a different home my mom started renting and then that's when she met my stepdad and then we moved again and my stepdad was more of a father figure than my real father ever was. I mean, again, Taylor was with me the whole time. And I think my stepdad was more of a father figure than my actual dad was. So it was definitely hard, definitely going through that. And then my brother and I are seven years apart and we have different dads, Mm -hmm. but my dad, when he came into the picture, legally adopted my brother um, because my brother's dad was, you know, not around, did the same things essentially that my dad did to us, but he wanted to be a better dad and adopt my brother and then did the same thing to us. How did that, uh, affect you? If you don't mind me asking, not having your real dad around. Um, I mean, as I'm getting older, how old I, do you think you were when my dad left? Yeah. Um, I was, I'm going to say I was probably, it was before I was driving. So like 14, 15. Um, I mean, it definitely was very hard. I mean, I can remember to this day, my dad got home before my mom sat me down at our kitchen table and said, just know this isn't your fault, but I have to leave. That's going to be hard. Yeah. I mean, at that age, I'm like, I don't know what this means. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Yeah or anything like that so like it kind of it's kind of where it all started and it just I mean I now that my mom's gone I mean I really look back and kind of put okay yeah my mom was my mom and my dad together she did so much for me and my real dad I mean I think maybe I saw my real dad like two years ago and it was in an airport and he basically accused me of spending my money on cocaine, and I was like, yep, 
it's yeah. 7 a.m. and I'm going to go catch a flight now. Wow. And it just, it didn't go well, so. <laughs> so you, you, we were talking some more at the gym. I mean, you had so much to say that, that day. And I, don't, I don't really remember all of it, but you had like, you said you had anxiety and stuff like that as well? Yeah, so. Where did that come from? So I've always had this like irrational fear of everyone around me like dying and leaving me. Um, but I didn't really, like, I've never been a type of person that's like, oh, my mental health, you know, now that I'm older, I'm like, okay, yeah, this is a big part of my life. Um, but like, I've really noticed it when COVID happened, uh, just cause with working in the medical field, a virus and didn't know anything about, and they're like, Hey, you're going to deal with COVID people. All right. And then it just like got me thinking like all these people are losing their families and then they could just kind of like the depression set in. Mm-hmm. I got really bad depression after my mom died. And then the anxiety of this fear of everyone dying around me. What, what caused that? I don't know. I just, I don't know. I just have this irrational fear. How do you deal with it? Um, I take medicine. Yeah. <laughs> Were you actually with COVID patients? Yeah. In so, the rooms? Yeah. So since day one, since COVID's happened, um, I work at urgent care. So okay. we would see, like, in the beginning, we had a few sites that only saw people that potentially had COVID symptoms. And then our other sites were, like, people that, you know, cut their foot or whatever. Okay. So since I'm younger, healthy, really don't have any issues. They were like, do you want to do this? And I was like, well, I mean, I don't really have a choice. I'm not going to make somebody that's, you know, their husband is sick Mm -hmm. or whatever, do it. But like when they would come in, like we'd have to put our gown on our N95 mask, our goggles, our gloves, like the whole nine yards. And then we had so many patients like left and right, like we had to switch over to our Queen Street location, which was just COVID only. And we were seeing 200 people a day. It was, it, it was insane. So I think just like from that and seeing people like coming in, like barely breathing mm-hmm. and you're rushing around and you're in a gown that feels like a plastic bag stuck to your arms because you're sweating from running around like crazy and you've have it on for an hour it was just a lot and it just kind of kept like piling on and piling on. And then I like called my doctor and I was like, I need help. Like I need you to do something. Did it take you a lot to do that? It did. Cause I was always the type of person that was like, Oh, you're fine. It's just mental. Like you can clear your mind. Just don't think about it. And then I would always just push it to the back and just mm. forget about it. So when I kept seeing all these people that were so sick and, you know, losing family members and that kind of stuff, I was like, yeah, we've reached the, the max the point. Max. Absolutely. Yeah. Who would you reach out to? Like for anybody that's in the same situation, would you recommend anybody? Um, I, I will say I've reached out to my friends and my family the most. Um, my aunt and my uncle play a big part in my life. I mean, my aunt and uncle have always been like besides my mom um like they've been like the people I run to your second set of parents yeah so I mean I after my mom died my stepdad and I got into huge disagreement I had nowhere to go 
and I moved in and lived with my aunt and uncle for a year and a half. Like, no hesitation. All right, we're packing the house, and you're living with us. So when all of this was going on, I mean, I reached out to my friends. I've talked to my boyfriend. I've talked to my family. Um, and then my aunt was, like, the main person that was like, hey, why don't you call your doctor? People in my work, like, I would talk to some of the doctors at work, and they're like, yeah, you should really reach out to your family doctor or call like the crisis hotline and just talk to somebody on the other end. So I was like, all right. Were you, did you fear like judgment from people? Um, in the beginning, yes. Cause yeah. I was really scared to like talk oh. about it okay. and like, yeah. Cause like you always see like on TV, like, Oh, if you're thinking about killing yourself or whatever, call this phone number. And I was always like, mm, yeah, okay. Like, I know that stuff happens, but, like, that doesn't happen to me. And then it started, like, those thoughts started crossing my mind. And I was like, I have to talk to somebody. But I was really scared that someone was going to judge me, like, oh, why would, like, that's selfish of you to want to end your life. Or that's selfish for you to think that you're the only one that has mental issues. Mm -hmm. But that's not the case. I mean, we're learning through different podcasts. And we just had this discussion, is suicide selfish? Or are you, are you a strong person? Or are you a weak person? And it, it really depends on someone's perspective. But there's so much help out there. And there's so many people in that position that just don't want to realize it. You know, so for you to reach out for help, whether it was friends or whatever, you were you were reaching out. And that's important because some people just bottle it up and... I, I definitely bottled it up for a very, very, very long time. And then I finally reached the point and I was like, yeah, I'm either going to kill myself or I need help. And I finally reached out. I know you were telling me about the, the killing yourself part at the gym. And I thought that was very, very strong. Yeah, I mean, I never, I never thought that I would have those thoughts. But, like, I would just be laying in bed and... I would have like these crazy nightmares and I'd wake up and I would just like think like, okay, like I would be laying in bed like wide awake thinking, okay, if I go into our spare bedroom and like, cause we have guns in our house. Like mm-hmm. I was like, okay, what if I just use a gun, kill myself? Like I could envision myself laying there dead and like what that would do to the people around me and how they would find me like that. And then I would just lay there for hours, like wide awake, like I couldn't go back to sleep. And that's all I thought about for hours after that. So what were you running from? Do you know? Were you running from something or you just weren't happy with I just your life? I just wasn't happy. Um, I just really, at that, at that point, I just really missed my mom. Like okay. I was stressed from nursing school. Um, you know, with dealing with COVID, like I was exhausted working six, seven, 12 hour shifts in a row. And, you know, it's not just a 12 hour shift. It turns mm-hmm. into a 13, 14, 15 hour shift to go home, shower and go right, right back to okay. do it again. So it just was a lot. And I think just stress and, you know, when I wanted to call my mom, I couldn't, mm-hmm. she wasn't there. So it just kind of like dug deeper in for me. So what uh what kind of things do you 
do besides medication to help your anxiety and depression and all that stuff? Um, the gym? So, <laughs> so when we decided to go back to the gym, I mean, that is a big thing. Like, I know when I wasn't going to the gym, I would get up early in the mornings and I'd take my dog with my with my friend Lindsay, her and her dog, and we'd go walk the York Township Park in the morning. And I, we would just talk. And You said that helped a lot. Yeah, just being outside and being with my friends and my family, knowing that if I ever need to talk to them, that they're there and that they would help me. Yeah, that's cool. But definitely working out, being outside, not really, like, I don't know. I try to, like, mentally think, like, okay, there are other people that are worse than me, and maybe by them saying, okay, yeah, let me just listen to, you know, say they listen, and they're like, okay, yeah, she did it. She can talk about it. She can go outside, be happy, and not really fear those things anymore. Yeah, that's cool. Do you fear, do you, uh, do you feel any stigma? Do you feel any judgment? Not now, because I'm open to, like, talking about it. Yeah. Um, but definitely in the beginning, I was really, really scared that people were going to judge me. Did anybody judge you that you know of? No. I mean, if they did, they never told me, <laughs> so... <laughs> They never. Oh, no, you didn't. You but. judged her, Taylor. What? You judged her. Yeah, I was just kidding. <laughs> Absolutely not. I I definitely had my own my own battles with all that, so I would never. So I thought it was funny. You guys went to Florida. That was your whole goal. This whole uh, gym thing was to get fit. Yeah, and you, you know, know I think that was a single pound. I huh? think I probably gained. <laughs> that was muscle. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Muscle. You're making me look bad, guys. <laughs> I highly recommend Austin. However, I did not lose a single pound. You gained muscle? It was my own fault. Okay, but I also, the one time before the gym, was hanging out with my friend and had a beer before the gym. <laughs> Wasn't oh, it just one? At least she admits it. I think it was just one. I think you said it was one of the natter days. Yeah, yeah. it was. And I was like, yeah, this... She's this, in the treadmill like... A little pre-workout. <laughs> I just remember you saying this is never going to happen ever again. No, I do not recommend. If you're ever working out with Austin, do not drink a beer before going uh, to the gym. Just in general. Gym. Not just with Austin, but just in general. It's not true. No, I thought it was funny because you guys were, I think you were shopping for clothes or something. You guys sent me a picture. You guys doing the, Oh, that the, was in Florida. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We were at... Um, the kettlebells. Marshall's? Something like that. We were at Marshall's in Florida. And we found the kettlebells in the um, in the store, and we were like, "All right, we missed the gym this week because we were in Florida, so let's just show we're doing something." <laughs> I, I forgot, forgot about that. that. You guys freaking cracked me up. Yeah, we were like making our friend that we were visiting record us like five different times. <laughs> I thought it was your mom. people passing like beside us in aisles. The hell was wrong? With so it was one of your friends. I thought it was a mom or something. No. no. Yeah, I was like, let's just show him that we're like working out <laughs> in the middle of the store. Not feeling guilty at all. No, <laughs> you're on vacation. It was yeah, funny. it's funny. So we tried getting my mom to go. Why didn't you go to the gym? I had meetings. <laughs> Every time. Every time Taylor texts me, mm-hmm. I really, I really had a meeting. So convenient. I, I have a lot of meetings. <laughs> <laughs> convenient meetings yeah. <laughs> sounds like it but no i i believe that fitness and working out does help with with stress and and mental illness and things like that and that issue 
happened to my sister. Um, she went through the depression and went through, and she actually attempted it one time. Did you ever attempt it, or you just thought about it? No, I just thought about it. Okay. Like, a lot. And then I just would, like, envision, like, okay, if I did kill myself, like, what my family and what my boyfriend would deal with. And then I never did it. So that's what saved you, what the others would go through. Yeah. I think the ones that do it don't really think about that. Sometimes they think that they're doing them a favor. If they feel as though they're a burden to someone and they do that, well, now they don't have to worry about me anymore. Yeah. You know, I'm not that great person. And And it's, I mean, this is my first time meeting you. And it just goes back to you don't know what the person next to you is going through. Yep. Because you came in, you're laughing. I mean, and it happens to everybody. Everybody has mental health issues. It's just on different spectrums. We're learning different things from different people. And so it's great that you did reach out. Did you reach, are you doing any therapy or any groups at all? No. So essentially I really wanted to, after my mom died, like I wanted to go to like grieving groups and that kind of stuff. But I just, I didn't have the time just because of everything that was going on. Like, you know, when my mom was sick, I had, I was taking care of my brother's kid because my brother was addicted to heroin and so was his girlfriend at the time. So I was going through court cases and I just, I didn't have time Mm -hmm. to grieve and think about that. Like I had to now put my nephew first and go on with life. Like, I didn't have an option to think about me. Um, if I didn't have had that responsibility, yeah, I most definitely would have gone to some groups because mm-hmm. they never prepare you what it's like losing a parent at all. So that was all something completely new at such I mean, I wasn't like young, but at 21 when your mom dies, like you feel young. Absolutely. So I definitely, if I wouldn't have been taking care of my nephew a thousand percent, I would have gone to groups. And I mean, now I think my medicine is just working and I'm doing other things that I don't feel like I would want to do a group right now. Mm -hmm. But I mean, if someone's like, Hey, I have the same issue. Would you go to a group or something with me? Like a thousand percent. I would totally do that. That's cool. So you're open to it. You're open. I mean, obviously you're open. You're sharing your story today. And there's people out there that may be thinking, you know, I'm not going to tell anybody. I'm embarrassed to say this. And when you share on this podcast, maybe at some point someone's going to hear your podcast and you're going to be helping someone that you don't even know. Yeah. I mean, I was definitely very scared to tell anyone in the beginning because I just thought, you know, everyone has these issues, but then, um, but then I was like, okay, like I just, I, I needed to tell somebody or I wasn't going to be here to, to do anything about it. And we actually found some of our guests say it felt, they felt better sharing their story even though you don't know who's listening to it and who you're helping, it just felt good to talk about it and get it off your shoulders. One of our last previous guests a couple of weeks ago, she never talked about it, um, her brother's passing, and she was nervous like you were, but she said in the end, like, I feel better. Like, it just makes you feel better 
people don't judge. I mean, we don't judge. We we have our own family issues. Mental health is an issue. And I think it's great that people are talking about it. You talk about addiction. So you had a, your brother mm-hmm. was in addiction, and it's addiction right now. And suicide are the highest things right now because of COVID. Yep. Because you're stuck with yourself. You have to learn about yourself. There's no outlet. So I'm hoping now that we're starting to open up that more people can reach out and get the help that they need and talk about it. Yeah, it's definitely not easy dealing with that. I mean, for the most part, from what I remember, my my brother has always been on drugs. Okay. Um, I mean, we have a seven-year gap, so... I mean, he's at a different stage than I am most times in our life. Um, but, I mean, we would be home, and, I mean, my friends would be over, and little did I know my brother's shooting up heroin in the room right next to me. Like, I I had no idea. So I have seen some pretty lows of my brother mm-hmm. and have seen addiction firsthand. Um I mean, even with working in healthcare, like mm-hmm. a couple, like a week ago, I had a lady who did cocaine and heroin and Molly through her whole pregnancy. Like that just did a flashback for me, like seeing how she doesn't have the help and she's scared to get help, like the same way my brother was. Mm-hmm. I mean, my, yeah, my brother did rehabs and it, it it never really worked, and it took him losing custody of his son for them to get their life together. And I couldn't be more grateful that my brother and, well, his girlfriend are clean and sober and they have the kid back and he's happy and I couldn't be more grateful for them actually getting the help and being sober. So you did a lot, like you took care of your mother. Was your mother sick for a while? Yeah, she had stage four ovarian cancer okay. that was detected too late. Okay. Um, she was in a motorcycle accident, and when they did imaging, they found that she had torn like a tendon or something in her hip. And when they did the imaging for that, they had just expanded the the imaging just higher up because she had some road burn on her stomach, like on her abdomen, and they said that she had a small tumor and to, it wasn't big. Nothing like that. So they told her to come back in six months, and she didn't make it the six months to go back because then she started getting really, really sick. Like, she had surgery, was off for six weeks, finally started going back to work, and she was like, just, I don't feel right. Like, something, I'm having some pain. And I was like, well, why don't you go back to the doctor? Like, maybe something else is going on. And she's like, well, they did find that tumor. And I was like, well, why don't you go back? And, like, a couple, I would say maybe, like, two weeks after that, she, like, woke me up in the middle of the night, and she, like, her stomach was so swollen. She just, she looked like she was nine months pregnant, about to pop. And I was like, something's not right. Mm-hmm. And she had a really bad fever. So she, I begged her to go to the hospital then. She didn't want to. I'm just going to take Tylenol rest I'll be fine and the next morning she had like no color to her she was really bad and I was like you're going to the hospital and then they ended up doing emergency surgery they kind of like drained the fluid out and then by the time they did it re-imaged that area the tumor had basically engulfed her 
whole ovary and it was supposed to be a four hour surgery and it turned into a nine and a half hour surgery and they diagnosed her with stage four ovarian cancer. Um, and they like did a complete hysterectomy. They resected her bowels. Um, so she, she was down for the count for a while, started doing chemo treatments every Friday. Um, finally was able to go back to work and after that she was falling asleep while driving home because of the chemo and she was so tired and then kind of when she started being homebound is when she started declining pretty fast so from the time she was diagnosed to the time she died it was like 16 months so that's not a long time and did you live with her at that point yep I've always lived with my mom um so while my mom was sick um, my stepdad was also sick too. He had, you know, a lot of heart attacks and that kind of stuff. Um, so he, essentially, the first day that my mom got her chemo treatment in the hospital, my stepdad went into a heart attack. So he was on one side of the hospital, and my mom wow. was on the other side. Um, so we were like debating, how do we tell my mom when she wakes up, like? hey, uh, he's on the other side of the hospital (laughs) getting checked out. Um, So we told her she did not take it well. She did not want to do her chemo. She just wanted somebody to put her in the damn wheelchair and wheel her over there. Um, But my stepdad and my mom were 10 10 or 11 years apart in age. Okay. Um, So he was older. so he, when they first got together, he had a lot of heart issues, and my mom knew about that. Um, not too long into them dating, he had triple bypass. So okay. she, she kind of knew what she signed up for. So she wasn't surprised, but uh, it definitely was not easy. That's a hard period of time. How long has your mom been gone? Um, January, we just reached six years. Okay, so that's still soon. Yeah, she died two weeks before my 22nd birthday. And my stepdad just died about two years ago. Okay. He was killed in a car accident. You've been through a lot. Yeah, that's a lot. (laughs) I mean, you talk about death and you say you have anxiety around death. It's because you've lost, you know, your mom, your best friend, probably your best friend. And um, it's not easy with death. And we've been through it and when people say you'll get over it or it gets easier it doesn't get easier you just learn to deal with it differently yep everyone says time will heal and I can't find that in myself Mm -hmm. I don't think I will ever heal from losing my mom especially because my mom was my best friend she was my mom and my dad together Mm -hmm. and she always supported me and made sure I had clothes on my back shoes on my feet food on the table you know it's not like we were a rich family, but I had money to go do my baton twirling competitions and mm-hmm. drive me here, pick up my friends. Like there are times where all my friends were over and we'd be swimming in the pool and my mom's like, okay, let me you know, get some food for you guys. And she did whatever she could to, to be a good parent. And I think that's what I really miss the most. Like just calling her and saying, hey mom, guess what I did today at work? Like, or something like that. So. It definitely doesn't get easier, but you just learn how to cope with her not being here or whoever passes away. Like, you just learn to cope. Like, okay, they're not here. I have to keep moving on, but 
it just gets easier. It doesn't get easier. You just learn mm-hmm. different to, ways. Yeah. So do you feel like you were robbed because your mom passed away when you were so young? Um, yeah, I do. Just because I think about how she's not going to be there for, you know, if I have children. Mm-hmm. She's not going to be there for my wedding. She's not going to be there when I graduate nursing school. You know, she's not going to see all of my accomplishments. She's not going to be here for that. Do you believe that's part of where your depression went after she left, that all of those missing things are missing opportunities? Yeah. Between that and my dad, my real dad, not stepping up and being there. I mean, granted, he's in a different state, but, like, Mm -hmm. we've never had a good relationship. So I was thinking, okay, maybe my dad will be like, oh... I know you just lost a parent. Like, let me step up and help you in any way I can. Like, this is probably, like, he lost his parents when he was older, like, in his mm-hmm. 40s. So, like, I'm half that age. Mm-hmm. Like, and he knew I was taking care of a kid. So, like, I, between losing my mom and then my stepdad and I having a fallen out and my real dad not stepping up, like, it just, I was like, I don't know where to go in life. It accumulated. Yeah, and then I just started drinking heavily. Like, I was going to the bar every single night. Like, it was disgusting of how I treated myself and how I just, I I thought I was, like, fearless. Like, nothing was going to happen to me. And if I just continued to drink, everything would just disappear. And it didn't. When did you realize that? Um, Well, I kind of had a reality check when I had to call my uncle one time to come pick me up from the bar at 2 a.m. and he had to be at work at 5.30 a.m. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's kind of when I was like, shit, this is real. Like I cannot live my life like this. And then he was like, yeah, you call me again at 2 a.m. to pick you up during the week. Like you're <laughs> gonna have to go to rehab or something. <laughs> so I was like, okay, yep, this is serious. Like let me work on myself and I, I, shortly after that, I met my boyfriend and just kind of, I mean, he's best friends with my cousin. So I just kind of like, was like, Hey, I need someone to talk to. And we went from there. And I mean, his family is very religious and his sister and brother-in-law own a church. So like I, I had them to talk to and his mom was really supportive. So like, besides my friends and family, like I knew I had his family and that's just kind of, that's kind of what started it. Gotcha. His family was like, hey, like, if you ever need help, like, you know, you can always reach out. And then I was like, wow, this depression and drinking and all of that is, is legit. It's real. So my question to you is you've had all the support of your family and your friends and your boyfriend's family and friends. Did that help you or did you have to come to realize yourself and help yourself? Yeah, I mean, even though people around me were, you know, always listening and always there to support me and help me, I had to come with terms for myself to get the help that I needed, even though they were like, hey, you know, why don't you reach out to somebody or talk to your doctor or something like that. And I I had to come to terms myself and say, okay, I am where I am and I need help. If I don't get help, I'm not going to be on this planet and I'm going to make my family and my friends 
go through that when that's something that they don't need to go through when I can just suck it up, deal with my own issues so I can be a part of their lives and be a part of my nephew's lives. So I, I had to come to terms first. And do you think about it now? I mean, you're on medicine and you're doing better, but does it ever cross your mind? Um, not really anymore. Um, I mean, I did like a trial and error of a shit ton of medicines to find the right one. And I mean, I've gone through multiple psychiatrists and they would just be quick to prescribe something. Oh yeah, you've tried it. Oh yeah, you've had increased suicide thoughts with it. We'll try it again. No, I I don't want to try it again. I want to try something different. And I finally have reached the medication to kind of put me at ease Um, so I don't have that. Like I would have horrible nightmares of people killing me and I was killing people. Um, and they were like very vivid that I would remember them the next day. And I was like, I'm just a messed up person. Like I can't feel like this. And then I told my boyfriend one day in my dream and he was like, something's going on, Ash. Mm -hmm. I was like, yeah, something is. <laughs> and then I finally got the right medicine and I don't have that issue anymore. Good. So, I, I, I mean, I feel like it definitely has helped me, but what I do on top of the medicine is what also gets me through the day. Like, there, before medicine, I would wake up and I would hate going to work. I would not talk to anybody. I mean, I do that now. but I mean I'm different because I am a person that's like hi hello like Mm -hmm. I'm very social and I talk to everyone and anyone but I didn't talk to anyone at work I would deal with my patients and I'd go home and I'd sit on my phone I wouldn't even talk to my own boyfriend like our our house would be quiet and he's like something's wrong I'm like I'm fine and he's like okay and then he finally was like I told him about the dream and he's like yeah Something's going on. So So the key learning point, uh, one of the key learning points through this conversation is to admit that you need the help, to get the help, but the medicine takes time too. Don't give up if the first medicine doesn't work. Yeah. Just keep trying and be honest about how you feel on the medicine because I think, is this the type of medicine that takes like weeks till it actually kicks in? So every time you were waiting certain amount of weeks to see if it was going to work? Yeah. So most of the medications that they prescribe are like SSRIs. Um, and it takes like four to six weeks for it to start to kick in, like before you notice a difference. Okay. And I think I have probably tried every SSRI possible. Um, What's that stand for? Selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor. So it. No, I'll, it re, it releases serotonin in your in your mind. It it increases the levels of your serotonin. Yeah. Um, so I was getting too much serotonin, so that's why I was still feeling very suicidal and very depressed. So I've tried so many. Yeah. Um. So when I saw. The newest psychiatrist that I just saw, she's awesome. Love her to death. Um, she tried a new medicine that's in the SSNI group, SSNR, something something along those lines. It's like the... The reverse. Is the reverse? Yeah. So, like, 
I forget what exactly it is, but don't make me Google that one. Because <laughs> um, I don't even know. It's like a SNRI or something like that. Um, but for the most part, like all the doctors were like, oh, yeah, take this SRI, SSRI, whatever. And I was like, I can't do this. Like, I'm not myself. Like, I felt like a zombie. Like, I wouldn't sleep or I'd be on the other end of the spectrum and I'm sleeping every chance I can get. So this new medicine definitely put me at ease where I could go out and actually function in the world without thinking about those thoughts anymore. You have to advocate your own health, obviously, because the doctors are going to try different things. And if you don't say how you feel or how you don't feel, they're just going to keep pushing it until they find the right magic. You mentioned you go to a a new psychiatrist. Mm Mm-hmm. How many psychiatrists, I'm just curious because we talk about counseling and stuff, how many did you have to go through till you found the right one? I went through two. Okay. And this is my third one. Um, so my other two were outside of Wellspan. Okay. Um, and then I had my doctor start me on a different medicine, and they were doing this program that they were working hand-in-hand hand with, like, a behavioral health psychiatrist. Okay. Um, and she was like, I mean, my doctor was up front, like maybe you're, you have PTSD from all the trauma in your life that you've experienced. Like maybe I'm missing something and I am giving you the wrong medicines that just aren't helping you. So I started talking to the psychiatrist and that's when she was like, let's try a different group of meds. And the first one I was like, yeah, this works. But I mean, you, you have to be upfront and honest. Like if this is not working for you or if you're feeling worse like you have to tell them like because if I would have been on those medicines I thousand percent would not be here I would have definitely killed myself I think that's important for people to know oh yeah you have to talk about it and and it's strange but some of these medicines that they treat you for suicidal thoughts cause more yeah I suicidal thoughts like it's a a side effect it, it is and it's I was always the type of person that would walk in the door and I you would never know that I had a shitty home life or anything like I would be completely like I would just hide it like okay yep sure whatever and then I really started getting bad and I was like okay I I have to admit that I need help and I need to talk to people or it's not I'm not gonna live like I'm not gonna be here so you definitely have to talk about it and you really have to be honest with yourself like yeah there's people that have mental health issues but like if you don't talk about it it's not you're not going to get better you're not going to help yourself you can't always do it on your own yeah it's difficult so yeah back to my question i completely ignored (laughs) sorry (laughs) i'm just kidding she just can't do more than one thing at one time i'm just kidding oh yeah i forgot that you asked a question (laughs) Yeah, if you could go back, would you change anything you've been through in your life? Oh, a thousand percent. I would make my mom live and my brother not be addicted to drugs so he could watch his children grow up and remember him having his children grow up. What about for yourself? Um, probably going to like counseling after my mom died and not going the opposite spectrum and going to the bar all the time and blowing a crap ton of money that's not the answer so (laughs) (laughs) 
fair. So I lost my mother also, and I have sisters, and we always say, I'm not going to act like my mom. Do you? This is just a funny thing. Do you do things that your mother... <laughs> oh, my gosh. I met your mother, and she's no, cool. this one. I actually was... is 100% like a copy and paste of Lisa Moody. Like, of your mother? Yeah. She is her mom through and through. Like, there are so many things <laughs> that she does or things that she says or looks that she gives me, and I'm like, okay, Lisa, can you calm down, please? <laughs> my, my family does it all the time. Like, my brother got a motorcycle, and I'm, like, hounding him. I'm, like, be safe. Don't be out too late. Like, know that you have kids back home. Like, he's, like, okay, mom. I'm, like, sorry. Somebody's got to hound you. But my whole family, they're, like, you are a spitting image of your mom. Like, even my mom's friends are, like. Not even not even that, like, the momness, but the the attitude, the bitchiness, <laughs> the, the looks that you give. Yeah. It is literally. 100%. The whole package. I am a spinning image of my mom. All of it. Everything about it. Yes. So share with us, we're trying to do this more often, share with us the a happy time that you have with your mom. A funny situation or something that Could you really enjoyed. Anything. Impactful. Anything that made you happy. Any kind of story that you want to share that you want people to know about your mom. Oh, God. <laughs> We've kind of been all over. I mean... Yeah, a lot to talk about. Yep. So it's like we came on here not knowing what the, we were going to expect. So I came in here not knowing what to yeah. expect. <laughs> I was like texting Taylor. I was like, I'm so nervous for this. But you're not was, nervous now, right? No. No, because it's just a conversation. Everybody that does it is nervous when they get here. And then when they leave, they're like, oh, yeah, we'll totally do this again. It's oh, very yeah. It's intimidating, like seeing everything. So that's what I, I told her. It's, it's intimidating, but it's fine. Yeah, so what? share a good story. My God, there's like so many. What's your favorite story of you and your mom? Um, While you're thinking, one of my favorite things that, because oh, again, I like literally lived there. No, this one, this one's. So Ashley and I ran track together and Lisa would come to our track meets. And this was like right after she got engaged to Bob. <laughs> and... She got engaged, had this big-ass rock on her hand, and she was just, like, walking around, like, just showing it off to everyone. So after the track meet, we got a picture with her mom, and she was like, wait, hold on, take that again. You have to make sure that my ring is in it, so so John sees it on Facebook. And it was like, she had her hand positioned so weird just to get that rock in there. Literally, she was, she was weird. I mean, you're an image of her, so. Everyone says we're, we're twins. Um, I don't even know. What do you want us to know about your mom? Because this podcast, you talked about, you know, I miss my mom. Um, your mom passed away when you were young. So what do you want all the listeners to know? One thing about your mom. Um, my mom was a very hard worker. She worked and did everything she could to give us what my brother and I wanted, whether that meant she sacrificed getting some stuff for herself or whatever. She always made sure that we got everything we wanted for Christmas and would give us gifts throughout the year. Not that that is a big Mm -hmm. thing, but like she was a hard worker. She made sure we had everything and was very loving and supportive. Awesome. So I see that in you. I don't know your mother, 
I didn't meet your mother and I've just met you for the first time and everything that you just explained to Taylor's point is you're like your mother because everything you, you've taken care of your brother's child, you've taken care of your family. And that's what you just said your mom did for you. So, yeah, everyone's like, well, like I, I will make like little baskets for my friends when they're sick and I will put at their doorstep. <laughs> yeah, Taylor. I never got a basket <laughs> when I was wow. sick. You don't even go to the damn doctors. I know. <laughs> Let's be real. That's true, I don't. She's like, mm, I'm sick. I think I might be dying. Like, did you go to the doctor? I'll just lay in bed for three days and then I'll be fine. I'll just wake up okay. Take some over the counter. Is that what you did after the gym? <laughs> yeah, how long were you in bed after that episode? <laughs> I told you, I rolled out of bed. <laughs> we were talking like every single day. Like, oh, I can't walk down the stairs. Oh, I can't lift my arms. I can't even lift Scarlet. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. So I was like 35 pounds back there that I could barely lift. <laughs> and she always wants me to carry her down the stairs. I'm like, uh, can I hold your hand down the stairs today? <laughs> Mommy hurts. Oh, that's cute. Anything else you want to share? Any questions or comments you want to make? I know you kind of already gave your answer while we were talking, but a quick message to anyone that's going through any kind of struggle or anything like that as far as anxiety, depression, losing a loved one, what would your message to them? What would that be? Definitely, if you're going through those things, really be honest with yourself. And if you truly need help, get it because there are a lot of people that you feel like you're going to be judged for talking about it or opening up and there are people around you that want to help you and make you better and it took me a very long time to realize that and now that I have realized that I couldn't be more grateful for the people that I have around me to support me and be there for me um I mean not only losing parents dealing with addiction, mental health, mental health. Oh my God, I'm done. You know, it yes. is hellness. I mean, if you think about it. Basically. Yeah. Um, just going through all of that, like I've had other issues that I've had to deal with and it does take a toll on you. So if you can be truly open and honest with yourself and the people around you, definitely get the help. I love it. Yep. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing. Yeah, thanks, you guys thanks for having yeah, me. It's not easy, but we appreciate it. Good seeing you back, Taylor. Anytime. Earlier <laughs> you're here, you get better. <laughs> that will never change. <laughs> All so, right, guys. You so got... I have one other question. Okay. Taylor. Yeah. What is in that basement that you need to keep? I don't know, man. <laughs> I'm still searching. Jeez. I haven't been down there in a while, actually. Okay. So my question for you is, when are you going to come to the gym with us? Oh, okay. Yeah. How the tables have turned. I have meetings. Okay, well, I'm about to cancel your meetings for a Monday, and you'll be coming. No, actually, Mondays will be good. Um, Starting when? We're switching. She's going to take my spot. Okay, well, she won't kill us. I I won't kill you. I'll kill myself because I don't know how to use the equipment. I've trained them how to do it so they can Oh, they're training me. We might be a little rusty. So I do Zumba. Did you girls ever try Zumba? Um, my mom did, but I never did. Somebody said that they're related to somebody that does... You did. You said you're related to somebody that does Zumba? Yoga. Yoga. Oh, Oh, I want to try yoga sometime. Even better. You can come with us. Okay, let's do it. So my steps... I I message Austin. My stepsister does yoga. She's a yoga instructor. And she has, like, little get-togethers sometimes with, like, 
parties of people who want to just bring friends. So we can all get together, just a little group of us. Absolutely. Because it's been a while since I've done it. I only did it like twice. And I've never done yoga. Oh my gosh, it's so much harder than you think Do you have to be flexible? No, not really. I mean, it helps. <laughs> but like, <laughs> not really. I need a stretch mode. Yeah, let's try but yeah, it. Yeah, Austin, you're coming too. Let's try it. Okay. Yeah. You have All to right. try it once because it, we'll it is definitely up. harder than it looks. We'll I'll set that it. up. Let me know. I will. I will. Okay. All right, Thank guys. You thanks guys. for listening to the podcast. We'll catch you on the next one. Peace. Bye. Bye.